Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast, be sure to subscribe so you do not miss one. And again, I tell you guys each and every week the same thing, but I got to tell you that all the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast all originated live on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, Monday through Friday, Faction Talk Channel 103, Talk and Rock with you, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time live and anytime on the SiriusXM app. If you're in the U.S. or Canada and you only listen to the podcast, you're only getting a tiny, tiny taste of what I do on the radio on a daily basis. So be sure to join me every day for Trunk Nation on SiriusXM Channel 103. Again, we get started live at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, and you can listen anytime you want if those hours don't work for you on the SiriusXM app. Also, there's a show on Mondays on Hair Nation, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern. So thank you for uh, listening and connecting. So we have for you this week, speaking of my live radio show, unless you lived under a rock, you may, uh, the only way you miss this is if you lived under a rock. Because live on my show in the last couple weeks, two different occasions was original Kiss guitarist Ace Freely. Ace joined me to talk about Initially, he wanted to talk about the new album that he was working on and also talk about his thoughts about the final Kiss shows and if he would be appearing at them in Madison Square Garden. What I did not expect to happen was for Ace to basically issue an ultimatum to Paul Stanley for an apology for going on Howard Stern and saying Kiss would have sounded like, quote unquote, piss if they played with Ace and Peter at their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. This touched off news all over the world. And then Ace came back, as promised, seven days later and told us what happened. 
So this week on the podcast, like a mini series, I'm going to bring you part one and two all in one show. These happened exact. These two interviews happened exactly seven days apart. Interview number one, I had no idea what was coming and what was about to happen and what Ace touched off when he basically called out Paul Stanley to the world. Interview number two, I wasn't sure what the response was going to be and where Ace was going to go. So on this special mega edition of the Eddie Trunk podcast, you've read about this all over the world in the news. Now you can hear it back to back, how it actually all happened uh, happy to present this to you now as my podcast after it all aired live on the radio a couple weeks ago. So we start with interview number one. Here is Ace Fraley on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. How are you, Ace? Hello, Eddie Trunk and all my fans and listeners. How's it going, <laughs> buddy? How's, uh, how's the record coming? You know, I, I got back off the road. You know, I did a two-week tour of California, which was, eight sold out shows and uh, I came back, took a week off just to rest and recuperate. And then uh, I started getting in the studio and uh, within six days I had written, recorded five new songs, which is unprecedented for me. <laughs> so the, right now it looks like the album is going to be completed, not mixed, but completed probably in another week. Wow. That's awesome. And for people that don't know you, uh, you moved not too long ago, just a couple of years ago now to New Jersey and you built a studio. You, this is the first record you're doing in your new studio in your place, right? Yeah. It's the best studio I've ever had. I love and it. And your work, you're working with, uh, I know you're, I know we've seen some photos and I've been in touch with them. You've been doing some work with Steve Brown. Who else? Tell me about that and who else you're collaborating with on the record. I've been working with Steve Brown. I've been working with Pepe Castro from the Blues Magoos back in the 60s. They had the big hit, We Ain't Got Nothing Yet. Uh, I grew up with him in the Bronx. He inspired me to become a rock star because I saw him... Uh, I remember going to Orchard Beach in the Bronx, and all of a sudden I hear Pepe's song on the radio. I go, Jesus Christ, if he can do that, I can do it. I was better looking than him. <laughs> <laughs> he actually taught me how to play bar chords. When I was Is that right? In a basement of an apartment building. And he had a, a, a an old Telecaster, and Jesus, I, 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 I don't know what I had. I think I had a Hackstrom piece of crap, but uh, he was, uh, we've been friends ever since, and we followed each other's career, and, you know, he's been in my studio a half dozen times, and he also hooked me up with, uh, Jesus Christ, the, uh, I'm so bad with names, let me pull, let me just, I'm in my studio right now, let me pull up my email, and Tommy, another guy I've been working with is Tommy. Let me get his name right. He works with Mark Lang. Do you know what I'm talking Tommy Deloitte? Denander? De Denander or something like that? Yeah. Tommy Deloitte. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he worked he with Hollywood like, Vampires, uh, too, I think. He wrote three songs for me, you know, that I'm probably going to uh, rearrange at least one or two of them and uh, add vocals. 
But, you know, me and Steve have been just churning out news. We've been doing a song a day. It's insanity. I mean, I, the other day, I just, you know, Steve was supposed to come over, and I said, Steve, I, I got a runny nose. I'm, you know, I got a little chill the other day because I went out in a T-shirt to my car to get something, and I got a chill. And, you know, I, I think I'm coming down with something, I'm, you know. When you're working, when you're burning a candle at both ends, you know, your resistance goes down. You know, and I'm no spring chicken. So. <laughs> and and Ace, just better. for, well, good. Just, just so people know, this is not, the, ne- the next record you're making is not going to be a covers record, right? It's This is all original material. Although you did send me a song. I won't reveal what it is because I'm sure you want to keep it a surprise. But you did do a cover that people wouldn't expect on this record, right? Well, you know, if my memory serves me correctly, the last two studio records I did both had one cover on them and one instrumental. Uh, I'm still focusing on what uh, I have two or three songs that can be instrumentals or I could add vocal lyrics to it. I'm just deciding which one's going to be the best one for an instrumental, because if I don't do an instrumental, my fans are going to be upset because Every every one of my studio albums have had an instrumental track on it. You know, you along know, that both, end, I just it all started with Fractured Mirror in 1978. Well, I know, and that's what I wanted to ask you about. You know, there's you wrote a great thing in the recent issue of Guitar World magazine about what Jeff Beck, who of course recently passed away, what he meant to you, and what I read that, and I thought it was great. There was a really nice piece you did there with all these other guitar players, but you had a big section in there about Jeff and how important he was to you. And what I didn't know until I read that interview was that your inspiration for doing instrumentals and doing Fractured Mirror back on seven in 78 was because of how much you love Jeff. It was very much influenced by Jeff Beck. Yeah. I mean, Jeff was a one of a kind guitar player. There will never be another Jeff Beck, just like there'll never be another Jimi Hendrix, you know? They just, there's only one. After one, they broke the mold. Yeah, and, and you had Jeff a chance Beck to meet him. The, Jeff Beck was the guitarist, guitar player. Yep. You know, I used to go to, I'd go to his show, and the audience was filled with guitar players, and they were just in awe of how and what he did with his guitar and the sounds he got. He even used a pick. He played with his fingers. I mean, he baffled me. I mean, just amazing. I mean, the last time I actually met him was at the uh, Iridium when he performed there, and I bumped into Meatloaf and uh, Paul Schaefer, and I don't know who the hell else, but they were all there. And uh, my old publicist was there, Carol Kay, and uh, he just blew, blew the doors off the place. Yeah, it's I huge... watch him play, but yeah, you know, he almost reminds me in ways of me because he plays very unorthodox, right? You know, and I play very unorthodox because I never took guitar lessons. So, you know, I think there's a similarity there between me and Jeff, and uh, that's what drew me maybe to his style because when he's, I don't know what the hell he's playing, and, and he, you know, I, I can't even follow what he's doing. He does it so fast. Well, the other huge similarity between you and Jeff Beck is the fact that you were both guitar players that 
immediately when you hear a solo, people know who it is. You immediately know that's Jeff Beck. It's so identifiable. You immediately know that's Ace Frehley. It's so identifiable. It's that's that's a to me that's a trait among some of my favorite guitar players. When you hear Brian May take a guitar solo, immediately you know that's Brian May. So that's a, that's a really unique thing. Yeah, well, you know, I I got a gift from God, and, and thank God I didn't. Uh, you know, some people get gifts and talents, and they don't develop them, and I, I think that's a sin. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, and, you know, this record. I started we'll, playing we'll... guitar when I was thirteen, and you know, what am I now? I'm going to be seventy-two next month. And the album will be, thank God, I'm going to have the album mixed by before the, my birthday, which is my first concert when I go back out on the road. So uh, I guess they'll have a birthday cake for me on stage. I don't know. Well, it, it beats the alternative of not having birthdays, that's for sure. So we'll look forward to the record. And, of course, when you get music out, we'll do more on the record itself. But but with the with the time we have today, let, let's get to the thing that everybody, every KISS fan in the world wants to know. And that is that we all know that KISS have announced their what they're saying are their final two shows at Madison Square Garden, December 1st and 2nd. They have not announced any special guests, but obviously the fans are rabid to know if you and or Peter and even many asking about Bruce, uh, if there will be some involvement, I know you can't speak for the other guys, but what can you tell us? What do you know? And have you had any offer official formal offer from kiss to be involved in these shows? Absolutely not. But I have read interviews where Gene and Paul are inferring uh, and actually have invited me. So I think they've, in a way, deceived the fans because that makes the fans think that me and Bruce are going to, and Peter are going to show up. And from what I understand, both concerts are sold out. And I think the fans are anticipating, you know, me being on stage. I haven't been contacted formally, and... Uh, if they want me to get up on stage for the last final concerts, they better have deep pockets. Would you? So you'd be open to doing it if there was a deal presented and there was an offer made. It sounds like. Yeah, a large offer. <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Doc has said in interviews about why it would be challenging to bring back you or Peter is because of the makeup factor. Um, how, what do you Doc think about know that? What I mean, talking about <laughs> yeah, Doc just goes on and on, you know, one day he says one thing and one day he says another thing. You know, I mean, you know, he's down in Florida and, uh, you know, I don't even know if he consults Paul and Jane about the things he's saying, but sometimes he contradicts previous interviews that he's done in the past. But, you know, I love Doc. Me and Doc have a great relationship, and I have no problem with Doc McGee, you know? At times, I've had problems with Paul and Gene over the past, and unfortunately, from what I understand, I haven't heard the interview myself, but I've been told that Paul went on Howard Stern, and when Howard Stern addressed Paul about why didn't he get up on stage with me and Peter, 
if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe he made a comment saying, well, if we would have got on stage with Peter and Ace, you know, you could have called the band Piss. That is true. That was said in okay. the recent interview right, and he, about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was said about who knows. It was said about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when Howard asked why they didn't play with you at the Hall of Fame. Paul said because they only wanted to play with the original band. And I'm paraphrasing, but it was he absolutely said it because I thought it was completely unnecessary to say this. But he said if we would have played with Ace and Peter, they would have had to call the band Piss instead of Kiss because that's what we would have sounded like. Well, you know, those guys have been bad-mouthing me since I quit the very first time in 1981, 1982. You know, calling me out, calling me a drug addict, calling me an alcoholic, saying I'm unemployable, I'm undependable, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, when they, uh, when we did the uh, unplug thing for MTV, all of a sudden, you know, I'm offered the... Uh, millions of dollars to come back to the band and uh oh what happened now, now i'm not a drug addict and, and and i'm dependable and you're willing to take a shot at hiring me again in fact they offered me more money than they offered peter so yeah, uh, well that was the reunion tour was one of the most successful tours kiss ever did it grossed over 250 million dollars the first year it was the largest grossing tour of that year by any band in the United States and Europe. Uh, and uh, then, you know, I said, well, I got paid and I said, okay, well, I, I'll see you guys. I'm going back to my soul. And then they, all of a sudden they said, no, we're, we're thinking about doing a farewell tour. I said, okay, you know, what kind of money are we talking about? And it was acceptable. And uh, I said, you know, why not make a few more million dollars? And uh, I decided to do the farewell tour, which ended in Australia. And that was the night I punched out Tommy Thayer. Because <laughs> he was our tour manager, and he was breaking my balls about my girlfriend being in the dressing room. He goes, Ace, we have rules, and girl, your girlfriend isn't allowed to be in the dressing room. I got Tommy. Everybody in the band has left, and it's the end of the tour. I think my girlfriend can hang out with me while I, you know, clean up my, uh, get cleaned up. And uh, and he said, no, she's got to leave. I said, really? Guess what? Boom. <laughs> and uh, Doc got really mad at me that night. Me and Doc almost had a fist fight. And I, I was ready to duke it out with Doc. And I, Paul was just standing there looking at me like in amazement. He doesn't realize I grew up in the streets, you know, and was in gangs, been in jail, been shot, been stabbed, had guns put to my head, been knocked out, been thrown in jail. So, I mean, you know, I don't care how anybody who, who you know, I'll go up against the guy twice my size. I don't care. It's just in my blood. But let me let me let me ask you let me go back to the to the question here though you know you brought up the fact that those guys take these shots at you and sometimes at Peter as well they certainly did on Howard saying that I you know we all know that uh, they didn't want to play I mean they they are always the ones that say everything's for the fans I mean 
when in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, in the history of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Cheap Trick played with Bunny Carlos. They were in a lawsuit with him at the time. They still played with them for the fans. Hart brought their original band out, at least did a couple songs for the fans. We know for so it's obviously a, a fact. Well, what? Cheap Trick. What I'm saying is that we've seen bands go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know, but my point is that we've seen bands who have these divisions, but when they go in the Hall of Fame, they play a couple songs for the fans with the lineup that's going in the Hall of Fame. We know that Gene and Paul refused to do that, which is why there was no performance there at all. And you, uh, you know, them saying that now about you guys, I mean, it's a tough thing to say when you consider the fact uh that you tour all the time. You, unlike them, you make records every year or two. So to paint you as a guy who is unreliable or on drugs or unfunctional doesn't fly over the last 15 years because you've made way more records than they have and you play three, four, five shows a week sometimes still. You just done shows opening for Alice Cooper. So, you know, I'm sure did, people I did, listening. I did. I had a really successful tour with Alice Cooper. You know, I've been doing festivals on my I mean, I did four shows in a row. When I went to California, I was doing three shows in a row, singing 10 songs a night. Uh, everybody That's my point. Crazy. That's my point, Ace. The narrative that you can't do it, that you wouldn't be able to do three, four songs with them, it doesn't, doesn't work. Makes no sense. No, it's just, you know what it is? It's Paul's frustration and insecurity that he has to use backing tapes and we're only six months apart and I can still get up there and belt it out and hit the keys that he can't. And it's very unfortunate. And I'm very sad that for the fact that he's using backing tracks, you know, it's cheapening the brand, which affects my bottom line because I still get paid from kiss on merchandising and whatever else they do. And, uh, I'm pissed off about it. But what I'm more pissed off about is what he said, because I think what he said was hitting below the belt, because at the time he said that I was already eight years sober and he's, he's making a statement and trying to project to the fans listening to the Howard Stern show that I was unreliable at the time. And, uh, it's completely, it's a complete falsehood and it's a lie. And I think he's just pissed off that, you know, I left the group and I'm still successful, you know, and they don't always sell out shows. A lot of times they paper the house. You know that, I know that. Well, I think what it's about, I, again, with the thing with what he said on Howard about calling you guys pissed, the band would be pissed. I think the we all know it's always about the sell at that time. When you and Peter came back, the vibe was, oh, it's this is the original magic. Everything else was a substitute. Now it's about pushing the version of the band now. And that's what it's about. And for whatever reason, feeling like it has to, he has to diminish you guys. I mean, the Hall of Fame thing has been covered a million times. All he had to say was the truth. We didn't want to play with Ace and Peter, so nobody played. But to have to take that hit, you're right. I don't I don't know why the need for that. The only thing I can see is it's just constantly about the reinforcement of what they're doing now. And uh, you know, that's that's well, my let me, take let on me it. tell you something, my brother and the fans. Just nobody knows this, but when I was living in San Diego with my psycho girlfriend, 
I got a phone call from Paul, Doc, and and Gene. We did a conference call, and they were asking me to play with them on stage. They wanted me to play. They wanted to do it. And uh, I said, I'm not getting up on stage with Tommy if he's wearing my makeup. He expect me to wear makeup. I'm gonna. I'm, there'll be two spacemen. Are you crazy? I'll do it if it's just us, us four, the original founding members who created something very special. And uh, for the last 15 years, you know, they've had you know other people playing. You know P- what Peter did, and Tommy's copying every solo I wrote, and trying to copy my moves, and trying to be cool on stage but unsuccessfully <laughs> unfortunately but you know with all the bombs and the and the smoke and mirrors you know they're getting away with it so you know firstly i don't give a shit as long as i'm getting paid by them but uh as far as what he said on howard stern i'm i'm gonna make a statement to paul stanley right now and paul if you're not listening I'm sure one of your associates in the KISS group are, and I'm telling you that I want a formal apology for what you said and a retraction and an apology within seven days. And if I don't get that within seven days, I'm coming back on Ed Trunk's show, your show, Ed, if you'll, if you'll have me, and I'm going to tell some dirt that nobody knows about Paul and Jean that I've always kept to myself because I'm the kind of guy who doesn't, you know, talk about that. I like to talk about the positive stuff. You've read my book. You've read Paul's book. You've read Peter's book. You know, a lot of times those guys are just throwing people under the bus. I mean, in Paul's book, he even threw Gene under the bus, you know, but what I try to do is have a fun, entertaining book, you know, with interesting stories and uh, that's just the way I am, you know. I'm not the guy. I'm not the kind of guy who kisses and tells, you know. And uh, when it comes to negativity, and we've all done things that we regret over the years, uh, it's there. I have a 120-page manuscript that I wrote after I finished my book, and my attorney has it in the safety deposit box. God forbid anything happens to me, my attorney is instructed to release it to the New York Times, Rolling Stone, API, everybody. So, I mean, they can't intimidate me with, like, you know, trying to hurt me or or say, you better not say anything about me live on the radio because then they're totally screwed. Their careers will be ruined. (laughs) Let me ask you this. You... Your th- would you in your outside of the money and the deal because we know their their line for the last five years has been well everyone's welcome everyone's welcome but we know you can't just knock on the back door at a concert with your guitar and say hey can I come up and play a song you, we know that a business has to be dealt with you would want to rehearse you'd want to make I sure would it's never done come right. up and ask I, the only way I would come up is if they offered me a large chunk of money since they owe me millions of dollars. And uh, anyway, according to my attorney, Peter Paterno, who's one of the biggest uh, rock and roll attorneys in the business, he handled some of the biggest 
He handles Metallica. He handles, I mean, you just, you name the top names. He's one of the top attorneys. And I remember when I first hired him, they got really scared. And uh, I remember there was a statement they made to somebody that got back to me. They said, or was the doctor said, nobody hires Peter Paterno unless they, you know, want to sue you. Yeah, but I didn't want to sue them at the time because I was actually hoping that maybe they'd invite me to come back, you know, for a third time, you know, and uh, not and not because I really wanted to play with them, because we created something really special, and I'm the best fit in that band. Always was, always will be. You know, you can think Tommy Thayer can do what I can do. Impossibility. You know, well, that's where I was. What I was. That, that's what my question was to you about all of this. Outside of the business and the offer and all of that, is and there I, a side? I, I don't dislike Tommy as a person. I think he's a nice guy. He used to be right. my tour manager. He used to get me sandwiches, you know? <laughs> but, Ace, my question I mean, is this. My question is this. Outside outside of all the business and all that, if that got sorted out, is there a – because, as you said more than one time, the four of you – created something so special, so iconic, something that will outlive all of us. Is there a side exactly. of you, if, if if these really are the last shows, that you want to be a part of it? Like, do you, would you like to? You're, it sounds like you are more than willing and open to showing up on that last show in December and getting on stage at least for a few songs. In, inside of you, you'd like to do it I would for yourself and the fans? I doing it if they made me uh, a decent offer financially. I, but there's been I, I no formal offer or invite, right? There's been no huh? formal offer or invite at all, ever. There hasn't been one formal call that formally is inviting me to do the show, but the two nights. And, uh, you know, but the shows are what? How many months away? Well, it's December. It's, you know, eight, nine months. Yeah. You know, they're probably just, you know, biding their time, thinking, you know, and, Maybe they're going to wait till three months before the concert. And then, you know, I don't need the money. I got plenty of money. But that's but, my uh, point for the fans and for yourself and for closure, because you are and were such a huge part of Kiss. That's what I, that's really what my question is for you inside. Is it something you'd like to do because of your history and your involvement in, in it getting started? I would be more than happy to get up on stage under the right situation if I was paid the right amount of money for both nights. And uh, I'd be more than happy to do it, you know, uh, for the fans. Not because I really want to play with Paul and Jean. That's my point, because, because there's fans. As far as I'm concerned, the musicians I'm playing with now blow them off the stage. Have you talked to Peter at all about any of this? No. But I was with Peter uh, about a month ago in Atlantic City when uh, John Five invited me to his first performance with Motley Crue. And he invited Peter because uh, John Five is always good friends, also good friends with Peter. 
And, uh, you know, I was with Laura, my fiance, and uh, Peter was with Gigi, his wife. And uh, we were hanging out, you know, right right by the stage, in front of the stage. And, uh, you know, I introduced, I don't think Gigi ever met Laura. So uh, they met and they were talking and, and getting along nicely. And me and Peter, you know, we we we, we did a... <laughs> Remember that thing we did in Nashville last year, and I, you know that was the fir- that was the first time I met Vinnie Vincent, and I was a little apprehensive about meeting Vinnie Vincent because I've heard so many crazy stories about him, and you know, I mean, I've seen pictures of him in a dress. I don't know what I, you know, I didn't the stuff I've heard, you know, is uh, you know, I don't like to talk about anybody unless I know. I, it's a credible person. So, I mean, but Vinny was very sweet to me. I didn't realize he was that small. But in reality, honestly, he looked like an old woman. What? Not what? To say anything detrimental, but look at the photographs. And not to say anything against old women, because. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not, we're all well, getting older. You know. <laughs> Laura's 53. I'm going to be 72. And we're 18 years apart, just like my mother and father was. So that's that's good luck. Yeah, yeah. So just in in wrapping up here, you're open to doing it if there's a deal and an actual offer made. You've had no contact from them whatsoever. There's been no offer made whatsoever. And you would like an apology for Paul saying on Howard that the band would have sounded like quote unquote piss if they played with you and Peter at the hall of fame. Yeah. And I want it within seven days I'm coming back on your show. If you will allow me to and, and, and talk about some more dirt that the fans don't know about Paul and Gene, because those guys aren't squeaky clean. Right. And yeah, I mean, look, I've lawsuits said Gene had against, girls have had against Gene, you know? Well, I mean, I've said many they times, just fired Ace. Their, they just fired their guy that handles their wigs. And, uh, I mean, I don't give a shit. I'll say it over there. I wear a wig, too. I mean, what 70-year-old rocker doesn't wear a wig? You know? Very few. And, Hold on uh, for one for me. I'm going to need one soon. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not embarrassed, you know. I'm, not, you, I'm, you know I'm just talking honestly. Pays? You know how many businessmen wear to pay? You know how many? You know how many uh, men actors, lead men, leading men wear wigs? Probably more than fifty percent. <laughs> you know, I just got a Iron Man, and I look at his hair in the first. One and then the second one and then in Endgame his hair looks even thicker. What happened? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I assume he's he's either wearing extensions or or got a hairpiece. It really doesn't matter. You know, you know how many women you know wear wigs, leading actresses. You know, it it, it goes along with the territory. Yeah, many rock stars wear wigs. I mean, come but on. But what's your point? What's your point about the wigs? I don't know what the point Oh, is. my point is that <laughs> Paul and Jean, uh, this past month, fired Dave Matthews, who did their wigs for 30 years. 
He was always there for them. And they just fired him on the spot. And he's suing them now for severance pay. And, you know, those guys just, I can't believe how cutthroat they are in the way they do business. You know, I was sitting in a van with Jane during the reunion tour, and I was sitting next to him, and he was on the phone with his attorney, and he said, I heard, overheard him saying, his attorney say, Gene, you owe this party $20,000. Gene says, fuck him. It'll cost him $20,000 to get it. He says, don't pay him. Now, I, I can't do that to people. You know, if I owe somebody twenty grand, they're going to get the twenty grand. But you know, some people don't give a shit about other people's feelings, or don't want to do the right thing because they feel they're above everybody. Uh, that's sad. You know, I would not want to be Gene on the day he has to meet his maker at the pearly gates and explain his actions. But Gene's an atheist, so. I don't think he thinks anything's going to happen, but I happen to believe in God, and I happen to believe that, you know, we're going to be held accountable for everything we've done during our lives on this earth. So uh, well, just, he, he can go, go along thinking there's no God up there and he's an atheist and he can get away with whatever he wants. Sorry, pal. You're going to have a wake-up call. Well, just... Uh... Just for the record, as I've said repeatedly, you come on this show, Peter has come on this show over the years. Uh, for the last 20 plus years, Gene or Paul will not come on this show, but my door, for the record, has always been open to them. Uh, it's up to them if they decide to ever take uh, the opportunity to do so. But, you know, you've said uh, at the end, Gene was on this show last 20 years ago. Um, you know, so it's, it's been a long time. You. <laughs> well, I just Paul saw him not too long. Not a big fan of yours. You know, I'd Come say on. I'd say that probably, but I just saw him and I gave him a wave. I wasn't, you know, I just saw him in Vegas at something. I, I've I've never per at any personal issue at all. But I'm always going to say how I feel as a fan. I think everybody's entitled to their opinion. I'll always be a fan. Everybody knows that. But everybody should also be able to have the ability to uh, speak their mind and give an opinion and and not have it. Uh, you know, held against you, but I'll tell you this. I, I mean, mind, I don't mind people giving their opinions as long as they're accurate, but for right. Paul to make a statement and infer that I can't play guitar anymore and sing is a ridiculous statement. I was sober for eight years and, and, and touring at the time. What is he crazy? And then I remember I had a meeting with Paul and Jean, uh, at, at Paul's house, maybe six, seven, eight years ago, I don't know, I pulled up in my Bentley and uh, was sitting in there and I was talking about possibly returning to the group. Gene says to me, I wouldn't get on the stage with you for more than 50 minutes. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. You do an hour and a half right but now, at the still, time, when you play I was live. doing an hour and a half shows on tour and and then why did he invite me to go on tour with him in australia and why did he invite me to go on tour with him to help promote his uh 
Those silly safes he bought. What, what were they called? <laughs> <laughs> silly safe. The silly safes. They should have been called Gene Silly Safes. What were they called again? The vault. <laughs> the vault experience. <laughs> yeah, he should have pole vaulted. <laughs> but I actually look. Safe. You know, Gene has said I'm one of his only true friends. Because me and Gene used to room together. And to be totally honest with you, no matter what I say about Gene, I love Gene. I've always loved Gene. With all his faults and with all my faults, I believe Gene still loves me as a person. You know, but he's a very shrewd businessman. He's a cutthroat businessman. And, you know, I don't know. That's part of his heritage, you know, the way he was brought up, you know, his, you know, his religion or whatever, even though I don't think he's very religious. Uh, no, but he had a tough upbringing. I mean, that's all been well documented. His mom was a Holocaust survivor. Yeah, I mean, of course, he, it's he all very. He's living a kibbutz in Israel. Yeah, it's an amazing story. It really is. Yeah. yeah no I doubt. mean, a lot of people don't know when he came to this country, he went to uh, Yeshiva, uh, you know, it's, uh, what's that, Hasidic Jew school, and he used to have the dreadlocks. Right. Not the dreadlocks. The curls and the, the yarmulke and right. the whole nine yards. I mean, I wish I had some pictures of those. He's probably had them all destroyed. No, there's but, pictures uh, out there of that, but that's an that's an amazing story. I mean, it really is. I mean, to, that's truly I, the American I, you know, dream. Look, what he's I accomplished. Everybody's religion, you know, if, whether you're a Hindu or uh, Arabic religion. What's the Arab religion called? Muslim. Buddhist. No, uh, you know, they have that big square building that they all go around. I don't know. I don't know. What's the Arabic know. religion? The Muslims. Muslims. Muslim, that's what I said. Muslim. Yeah. I, look, I'm, I'm hard of hearing, brother. But, you know, know, to make a long story short, you know, I respect all religions, and I personally believe God looks down and evaluates every person, and he sees what's inside their heart. And no matter what religion therein if they see if god sees that they're a good person and do good deeds and care about other people and do things that are right and good and true i think they're going to go to the right place and i think the other people are going to go to the wrong place you know and start and hang out with the devil and some people don't even believe the devil exists unfortunately he does and it makes perfect sense. You can't have well, good if you don't have evil. That's the way the universe works. You can't have light unless you have darkness. Well, listen, man, I'm, I got to hit a I've break. I've experienced the devil. I've had run-ins with the devil. You know, when I was on drugs and trying to kick him, I've, 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 I've experienced the devil. I've felt the devil's presence. He wanted me not to get off the drugs, but thank God, God intervened. And this September 15th, I'll be sober 17 years. Uh, congratulations, you know? man. That, that, that's a great note to end on because I got to run and I got to hit a break. But I appreciate you taking the time out to call in about all this. I hope that and on behalf of the fans in some capacity, we hope you're there in December. 
And uh, that's the only way I'll be there. And uh, I, I hope that uh, you get the apology you record? want. Can I yeah, just I got a minute. Go ahead. My new album. Mm-hmm. I I really believe that this next album I'm going to be putting out, and I'm not sure exactly when the record company. I'm going to have the album ready before my birthday. It'll be finished, but it takes months for it to actually be scheduled and released. You know, right. it takes months to get the records pressed, and you know they're doing vinyl now and all that stuff. But uh, I believe that this new album I'm going to release. Is probably going to top my first solo album. It may be the best album, solo album to date I've ever done. Well, that's a tall order, and I uh, look forward to hearing it. I got to go, man. Thank you for the time. I got to run. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Well, there's the interview that touched it all off and had people talking and literally counting down the seven days to see what was going to happen seven days later. Again, that was totally unplanned. I had no idea that was about to happen. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big money at Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And to his word, seven days later, Ace did indeed call in, and here's how part two went. Ace, how are you, buddy? How you doing, brother? I'm it's good. Been Let a me crazy, be crazy, crazy, crazy week. Here I am trying to finish my new album, working six days a week, twelve hour shifts, and I have to deal with all this nonsense. Well, let me and ask you this before we under the be- sun. Before we get, hold on, Ace, emailing me. Before we get to what's happened in the last seven days, did it take you by surprise that what you said a week ago on this show 
had become such a thing, like it spread literally all over the world. Were you surprised by that? Because this isn't the first time you've said some stuff about them and they've said stuff about you, but this one really seems to have touched a nerve. Well, Paul and Jane have pretty much dragged my name through the mud ever since I quit the band the first time in 1981, Uh, they actually begged me not to leave, even though after I left, they, they said I was uh, unemployable, undependable, and uh, not a good guitar player. And uh, everything you could say negatively about a musician, they said about me. But prior to me quitting the band, they said they asked me to please stay. That's a fact. Well, to the point, well, hold on, let me jump in there. What would absolutely support that is the fact that everybody knows the period you're talking about is Creatures of the Night. You were out of the band. You were already out of the band, but they still put you on the album cover and put you in the video. So obviously that was an yeah. attempt to keep people on the hook. I wasn't really happy about being on that cover. I didn't need the press. I didn't need the money. And... uh I thought it was unfair to the fans that I really didn't play almost anything on that album. Although Michael James Jackson, the producer of the record said I did. It was so long ago. I can't even be accurate with the statement on whether or not I did perform at least one song. I may have, but I think that's a mute point at this juncture. Yeah, of course. So, so, we know the history. We know all that, that stuff. We know over since then there's been ups and downs. You've been in, you've been out, and all of that. Update everybody, if you will, off of last week when you, you were on this show and you wanted the apology from Paul. Did he contact you? Yes, he did. Not long after the show was over. And? And I was uh, blindsided by the phone call because uh, I saw his name come up on my cell phone and I spoke to him a hundred different times on that number. And that can be verified by Verizon, who is my cell phone carrier. Uh, So, you know, I figured he was calling me maybe to apologize or at least explain why he said that. Maybe he meant it really more towards Peter than me and, uh, Uh, whatever the case may be. But instead of an apology, I got a five-second phone call which said, F-U-H, I'm not going to apologize, and hung up. You can say, you can curse on this. So he, say that again, he said, fuck you, Ace? He said, fuck you, Ace, I'm not going to apologize, and hung up. He didn't even. He wasn't even man enough to let me give her a rebuttal and explain why I'm so upset or anything like that. So this wasn't a voicemail. You actually answered the phone, and on the other end, yeah. that's what you heard. No, it wasn't a text. It was a phone call. And it wasn't a voicemail. You, you answered I it up because it said Paul S. Right. You know. You know. When it comes to the guys, I never write their full name. God forbid somebody finds my phone you know they may not figure it out that it's gene simmons and paul stanley and i right. would never give out their phone numbers 
Right, right. I do that with people in my phone directory, exactly. too, including you. Sometimes including you. I, I mean, even, yeah. you know, call people, you know, by aliases, like, you know, I'll call somebody Clarabelle or uh, those are the clowns. <laughs> <laughs> so so th- this is point. amazing. This is amazing. Hold on. So, so you, so shortly after last Wednesday, he calls you and you answer and he says, fuck you, Ace. I'm not apologizing and hung up the phone. That was it? Absolutely. And if you look for your uh, emails, uh, uh, messages that I sent you, I did screen grabs from Verizon on, uh, it's the same day as our interview, and it says five seconds. Yeah, no, I saw that. So you saw that. So you're verifying yeah, so, that Paul S. called me and a five five second phone call. You sent me the screen grab, and I do see the five seconds. Yes, absolutely. And, let's, I can... and, and I'm going to just say to the audience, you know, some, some idiot out there might say, oh, well, Ace is a graphic artist. He's really good no. at Photoshop. He could have probably Photoshopped it. Well, guess what? It's still on the servers, and it's. I'm still going to get a bill from Verizon. Right. And it's going to say a five-second phone call from P.S. Paul Stanley. So, Ace, what happens next? You know, did you did you try to call him? The character, the judge, can order them to uh, pull it off the servers because it's still there. Now, I told Doc McGee this whole story, and you know what he came back with? He said, Paul said he never called you, number one. Number two, Doc said to me, well, he uses, like, AT&T. Not realizing that it really doesn't matter if he calls me from Tokyo, from uh, Schmoho uh, cell phone company. No, it doesn't matter. I mean, my, the, my, my carrier documents every phone call I get. Yeah, it doesn't matter what service you have. The log exactly. is there, and it, I can't it, it believe doesn't... Doc said that to me. I so wait a minute. Was a when did smarter than that when it came to cell phones? When did Doc contact you? Oh, I, I've I've been in touch with Doc for like uh, at least three or four times between uh, our last interview and today. And the earliest I texted him was this, was today because I was hoping Paul had enough sense to. Uh, you know what? I would have been happy if Paul would have just called me one-on-one like a man and apologized. That would have sufficed. But after cursing me out on the phone, the gloves are off. But he, he did anything but apologize. It sounded, I mean, that. I mean, to just yeah, say. He, I mean, he may be twice as mad. But what is, so and you I've said. I've known Paul for almost 50 years, and we've always had a really good uh, rapport on the cell phone, you know, and uh, it, but I recognized his voice. If you know somebody 50 years, you know their voice, of course. Well, no, there's no, there's I no, would never I don't lie think... about something like that, and I can prove it. Well, of course, I mean, that's just it. You can you, but but okay, so what? So, We're living so... in a world with technology that has footprints, right. So what does Doc? What is the initial? What are the conversations with Doc? Is he trying to uh, calm you down? Apologize for him? Back, I guess, or just doesn't understand the way the phone system works. 
Above the and beyond he, the, he, that, the fact that Paul Stanley is using an AT&T phone has no bearing on the fact that I'm with Verizon. I don't want to plug any companies, but I got to <laughs> speak reality because, you know, when this hits court, you know, I have to tell the carrier. No, but, it's uh, irrelevant what cell phone you know, it's defamation of character. I mean, what he said on the Howard Stern show is un- inexcusable. And so what you want to play? You want to play the section? I think I sent it to you. The of of what so Howard's audio? All understand why I'm aggravated. I'm well, no, anybody, up. any most people, anybody that's a Kiss fan saw and heard Kiss on Howard Stern. It was it was Not well everybody. distributed. Well, yeah, but I can't what about repurpose my that. Fans? Not a lot of a lot of times, my fans don't even give a shit what Paul and Jean say. They right. they haven't listened to Paul and Jean's interviewed since I left the band fifteen plus years ago. But the interview with Howard's out there for everybody to hear. I can't repurpose Howard's interview uh, audio on this show. But what I, what that, I would is that a legal issue? It's an internal thing. Yeah, we would have to get a. a, right. a approval from Howard's team and all yeah, that. No problem. But just, but just so the fans know you can go what on howardstern.com and listen to it. Yeah, you can watch it and listen to it on the Series X app right and, now. And what really aggravated me, I didn't even know this because you know I'm half deaf from playing through Marshall Lamps for 40 plus years. Uh my my friend told me the other day that after Paul and Gene Paul said that, Tommy giggled. <laughs> I didn't. I'd have to look back at it and see it. I didn't. I didn't watch it that closely. I. I actually heard yeah, it. I didn't yeah. see it. Neither did I. I mean, I look. I was told by a third party, second party, that uh, that was said. That's all well, I had to hear. Then I. Then you know. Then I got really, really pissed off because in nineteen. 19- in 2014, when we were being inducted into Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I already had. Two albums under my belt, eight years sobriety, and was touring. So I, Paul is trying to give the impression to the fans that I can't get up and play two songs. Is he out of his mind? I don't know what meds he's on, but uh, something. it's not the same guy I knew five, ten years ago. All right, so I want to just go back to... I'm not to, applying so- anything. I'm not, I'm not saying he's on anything... He shouldn't be on. I'm just saying I'm totally blindsided and confounded. I I, I can't understand it. But well, I it's recognize very, his voice, so uh, you know it is what it is. It's very hard to make the case uh, against you that you and this is just per, this is just fact. This isn't taking sides. Just fact. You. It's impossible to say to anybody that you are incapable of performing live or making music when you have put out a record every year or two and you play shows regularly and you front the band and you uh, perform, whether people, you know, know it or not, you're out there constantly touring and playing shows just open for Alice Cooper. So yeah, that, that narrative doesn't work at all because yeah, the proof a, is there. A five week tour, you know, four but or I five want shows Ace. a week. Alice, Alice's wife came in and said, Ace, you, your band is the icing on the cake for the show. And I thought that was really a sweet commentary that she said. But Ace, I want to go back to the thing with Doc. So you said you have multiple conversations with Doc. What kind of stuff yeah. does he tell you? What did you guys talk about? Can you share any of that? Yeah. 
What did we he say? Did he apologize for I mean, Paul? He, he, you know, his first response was, I spoke with Paul. Paul denied making the phone call. I said, Doc, I have the evidence. I, I did screen grabs. You know, Laura helped me out. She goes, let me pull up your memory. And she pulled up Wednesday, and it said a five-second call from Paul Sass. So I did a screen grab, and, and I, I sent it to Doc. And he goes, I'll call him back. He was on vacation with his family, from what I understand, in Mexico. I don't care if he was in Fiji. doesn't matter. It's on the servers in the Verizon uh, so what else? So so okay. So initially, Doc tries to say he didn't make that call. You have the proof that he did. Where does it go from there? I never heard anything further from Doc at that point. I called him again. I texted him again today. He he told me that Paul has a different phone company, and uh, which is pretty idiotic because it has no it's nothing to do with anything. No. It has nothing to do with my carrier. If I call him, it's on his server in AT&T. But I didn't call him. He called me. So he, he lied to his uh, manager, and I think Doc bought it. So uh, after that text, Doc never called me back. I, w- I was hoping he would try to talk some sense into Paul because I don't bullshit. I tell the truth. Did you consider reaching out to him and trying to call him back? No, not after he cursed me out on the phone. Would you? The way I'm wired, my initial thing might be like, I'm going to like, like, yeah, I'd, I'd probably hit redial and be like, are you kidding me? And you know, probably get into it. I mean, I I, I understand. Totally everybody has- I texted him right back and I said in the text, could you please repeat that? I didn't have my, uh, since I'm hard of hearing, I go, I didn't have my speakerphone on. Could you please just text to me what you said? Because I'm not exactly sure what, what I said, what you said. But basically, I said that because I wanted even a bigger record of what he said. I wanted it in black and white. But it's on the servers in Verizon, so I'm not concerned. You get a court order, they pull it off. His name is Mud. So where does this rest with you? Um what, what what I mean? Do you think anything more comes of this? Are you just going to move on? What where where are uh, you at? I initially, it? if you if you remember correctly, I initially said if he doesn't apologize, I'm going to spill some dirt that nobody knows about. Right. And then I spoke to several good friends of mine who are God fearing people, and uh, I go to AA meetings with, and you know they said, you know. Don't ever sink to their level. You know, that's what they do. That's what they've been doing for years. Why are you going to sink to their level? So then I came to the realization that I don't even have to bring up anything that I have hidden away in my attorney's safe deposit box. I can just talk about things that they've said about me in black and white. They can't come after me after that. Because they said it, some black and white. 
Let's talk about some previous interviews. Paul Stanley has admitted uh, the uh, company that does his artwork that he created the logo and designed it. Now, we all know that's a lie. Oh, am I correct? Did I send I you would... the button? Yes, the first rendering of the logo with a with a, a lips and a diamond shape over the eye, which we decided to drop. Yeah, I didn't know Ed, what that was. You texted that to me. There's a logo that, that you sent me. I designed. That was the first rendering of the Kiss logo I did. Wow, that is I've never seen that. So that's that's that, the that just that just got auctioned off. The original one, the one I sent you, was a copy. That just got auctioned off for $100,000. Has that picture ever been shown of that original logo? I've never seen that. It's in my book. You've seen it. You just forgot. Yeah. So it's a diamond. We don't have the memory we used to have. No, I know. (laughs) Tell me about it. Uh, So, so yeah, obviously. I can't remember people's names for the life of me. The the thing the thing is he's always said is you design the logo he refined it so by refining it would exactly. mean from what you're that showing was his old t- story now he likes to change history and say he created the logo and designed it what he did was since he went to music and art I gave him the logo everybody loved it he said let me do let me re- redraw with a rapidograph pen. And, you know, he can draw straighter lines than me because he's had art training and I haven't. Just like I never took a guitar lesson. So he refined it very nicely. Thank you very much, Paul. And uh, that's that's the logo that you see today. But he didn't create it. He didn't design it. He just clarified it. There's he admitted uh, it in early interviews. I I just couldn't find it between last week and this week because I'm in the middle of record. I've been recording six days a week, eight to ten hours a day. I mean, Jesus Christ, I got to be bothered with this nonsense. So it sounds like, and look, I, I told the audience before you came on that I also. Uh, talk to you and and thought that it would be best if you kind of took the high road on all of this because it just doesn't serve any and purpose to get into I the weeds. I agree with you. I'm not going to stoop to that level and start trying to change history and bring up lies or truth that sound like lies because I'm the only one that saw it, so it's their word against mine. I don't even want to go there, but, it, right, but so- I have it in a manuscript. Right. So Ace, let me ask you this, because you sent me on a on text, you sent me a bunch of um, these screen grabs of all these headlines on over the years in the last 20, 30 years, these guys saying stuff about you, you're drug addict, unreliable, I broke. I can't remember anything. So I no, no, I know. Anything. But I'm saying I'm, so I'm scrolling through them online for the fans. Right. So I'm scrolling through and I know what you're doing. I, I see you're 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 compiling this proof and this evidence so it doesn't sound like you're just making this stuff up. A anybody spot, that right? Yeah, right. Anybody that follows along in the KISS world, and there's many people that do, know that there's been a huge history of these guys uh either trying to diminish the importance of you and Peter or taking shots at you or or whatever the case may be. 
my theory, I have a theory as to why they do that. But what do you, why do you well, think they constantly do theory. it? Well, I don't know if it's the same theory they I have, but what do you me, think? Then the current lineup is lifted up. There you go. Even though I, I can think... play rings around Tommy Thayer, you know, Paul, Paul's statement on Howard Stern was, well, you know, the, the current lineup is, has elevated the band uh, to a level beyond anything. Listen to the first couple of, listen to the first five Kiss albums. Tommy couldn't play a solo and write a solo like me if his life depended on it. I mean, I agree with you that this is always about selling Not that the I now. don't like Tommy as a person. It's just that, you know, reality's reality. Right. You're the, you're the, guy, you're the guy who created all that, of course. But the, the thing to me... Kiss. Well, there's many people that would agree with you on that. Absolutely. So the thing is this, though, that that and I've said this many times, and this is kind of the, the case with most bands, but certainly in Kiss World, it's about the sell now. So if you pull uh, interviews from 96 when you and Peter reunited, all of that press all talked about this is the magic of the band. Everything else was just a substitute. This is the real Look, kiss. Whenever now it comes it's to about money, this. Paul right. will say anything, and so will Gene. When it, if, if me and Peter are in the way, uh, we get thrown to the wayside so they can make more money with the current lineup. When we're in the band, oh, it's wonderful. It's great. Ah. Oh. They never played better. They never looked better, you know? Give me a break. Going back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, which I was at. I sat with you at that table. You were at my table. My yes. friend Matt Swanson paid $100,000 for our own table. God bless yep. them. Me, you, and Peter, and yes, thank you, Matt. But the thing is, is this. The, the, the thought that you couldn't get you and peter couldn't get up there and do two songs is ludicrous if you would add rehearsal and worked it out everyone knows you could have easily done two songs that thing is I taped supposed any... to get up and play with bruce springsteen i was invited I by their lead guitarist uh who was who the current lead guitar play with bruce that at the moment Steven, he was Stephen van bruce. sant or tom morello yeah tom, tom was in the band up, then. Uh, in right. the afternoon of the uh the show and he said would you like to get up and do highway to hell with us i said well i'm not familiar with the current arrangement he said just pull hey just pull it up on youtube and you can get up and i'll give you the first you know eight bars or 16 bars i forgot exactly what he said uh he had faith in me as a guitar player like most people do and, well yeah uh, i said sure i'd love to and if you remember correctly i had my last call under the table I was against my knee. I know. Against you. <laughs> it was because because Ace. Do you remember? Knee. Well, yeah, because the the guitar was between me and you under the table. And do you remember we were Did you sitting carry there? It out for me. Yes. When and you forgot your Hall of Fame it's statue, my back. which yeah, I my back. I went running after you with. I have a photo of that. But do you? But do you? Re, <laughs> I remember we you were sitting there. Back. Because you remember Springsteen's band went into the Hall of Fame that year, and they were all talking so long on their speeches uh, that the guy me. comes over. 
yeah, the guy comes over and he says, we have to cut the jam. And that's when you grabbed the guitar and said, let's go. We're getting out of here. And we left and everybody was hungry. I All remember it was I did a long was day. Stay long enough to hear my friend Joan Jett get up and play with Nirvana. And then I walked out. I, didn't but, was, I, I, I said, I'm done. But going back to that night, which was the trigger for all of this, okay, the truth mm-hmm. of the matter was the truth of the matter was that the Hall of Fame, what Paul said on Howard was truthful. That the Hall of Fame wanted to play, wanted just the original band to play because that's what was getting inducted, and, and they you, didn't want to right. do that. And if you remember correctly, I said on the last TV uh, show we had a week ago from today, I told you that I got a phone call from Doc, Paul, and Gene. And they wanted me to perform, which is completely incongruous to what Paul said on Howard Stern. But, you know, there is no uh, rhyme or reason why they say what they say. They say what's ever convenient for them and makes them the most money. Yes. And my point, though, is that there's nobody that could argue that you that they couldn't have gotten you up there for a couple songs if they wanted to. And no matter what anybody's uh, ability is and isn't, the bottom line is a few days rehearsal, there's no way the four of you guys couldn't have gotten through three, four songs. In makeup, out of makeup. rehearsal to get up and do a couple of Kiss songs. I I could play those songs in my sleep. I've been playing those for 15, 20 years before I quit. Well, I quit. I I did a, what, eight, nine-year run. I quit the band because they were driving me crazy. Then we did the... uh, Unplugged on MTV. They asked me to rejoin the band. Oh, I mean, you want me back after you dragged my name through the mud and said I'm unemployable and undependable? Why? Because we made $250 million that year. That's why they asked me. But Ace, this is my point. You bring up the Unplugged. This is my point about the Hall of Fame. They they absolutely could have played because also everybody knows the Hall of Fame performances that's recorded and aired on HBO two months later. All of those artists go into the studio, they touch up audio, they remix it. So the quality of the performance, if that was legitimately their concern, is absolutely ridiculous because it absolutely could have been dealt with and happened for a couple songs. And the well, fans who fought- absolutely ridiculous. Right, but the, the, fa- they say. the they fans try to rewrite history. Uh, Ace, I mean, hold I, on, let I me finish this some, thought. I sent wait, you wait. some screen grabs where Paul says, in black and white, he created the logo, he designed the logo. I mean, is he trying to rewrite history? Well, that again, that serves the net. They everything is, is about that in serving black and the white from a website. I know. But that's about serving the narrative. It's My point is this. They didn't, to me, they didn't want to play at the Hall of Fame, even for a couple songs. As I told you last week, there were tons of bands. No, they wanted to. They called me up and asked me to. And then, and then I you... said, I'm not getting on stage with Tommy Thayer. Right. And they didn't want to confuse the people in the audience between the old band and the new band because... That's exactly what happened during uh, Unplugged. And they had to drop their album with Tommy and Eric and do a reunion tour because that's what the fans demanded. Hold I on, think Ace. There was a little of that fear in their heads. 
Because yes. me and Peter were gone, would have gotten up there and killed it. I'm trying to clarify something, though. When you're 100% right, they didn't want to play. They wanted to play with you and Peter, but only if Tommy and Eric were on stage as well, who were not being inducted. They would not play with just the four people that were being inducted, you and Peter. That's the problem. That's why nobody played. But I'm saying other bands have done that. Cheap Trick did it. Hart did it. There were members that weren't in the band, but for a couple songs for the fans, they did it. Gene and Paul would not do it for a couple songs for the fans. I believe the reason for that was exactly what you said about the unplugged. I was at the unplugged taping. When you guys came out at the end as the surprise, it was mayhem. There was an avalanche. There was no way they could go back and sell the previous non-makeup lineup and the record they had coming at that time, which was Carnival of Souls. They, they saw the reaction, they folded all that, and they went to the reunion, and we all know how huge the reunion was with you and Peter coming back. Well, I believe tour of the year. Right. I believe that they had the same concerns that if they brought you out at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the original four guys, there would have been such a vibe and avalanche like there was in that room when Unplugged was shot that they didn't want to go back to. They didn't want to deal with. I believe that was in their heads. Nobody can tell me. Nobody can tell me that you and Peter could not at that point in your life get up there and competently play two or three songs, even with a little rehearsal if needed. There's no way, especially when it's not live and it can be touched up. So it's I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even need rehearsal. I know those songs like the back of my hand. I still get up and do Deuce and Cold. Well, I wrote Cold Gin. I wrote Parasite, you know. But I didn't write Deuce, and I love Deuce. It's it's the first song they played for me when I auditioned for the band. So as a special place in my heart. But we created something really, really special. I designed my own makeup. I even helped Paul design his makeup. You know, his original makeup, he dressed like uh, the dog in uh, Little Rascals. <laughs> he had oh, really? a circle around his eye. And he's never given me credit for this, but I'm going to tell all the fans right now. This is the truth. I swear to God, on my daughter's life, I said to Paul, why don't you try a star? You know what? I never gave, I never took credit for it because we were all brothers. We were all working together for the same goal. Just like Gene, I'll, I'm going to be the first to admit that Gene wrote the uh, breakdown section in Cold Gin. He never took credit for it mm. because Gene loves me and I love Gene. And uh, it was just, you know, awful one and one for all back then. Today, it's, it's just all about money. It's interesting you talk about songwriting because in that same Howard Stern show, which uh, which touched off this comment to you about you and Peter, for that matter, uh, Gene and Paul argue throughout that interview. I've not watched every minute of that, but I've heard most of it. They argue amongst themselves about who wrote Strutter and what part of Strutter. So it's, did they had Strutter? A, I thought Paul did. But Gene kept chiming in and saying he did during the, the interview with Stern. Or at least part of it. They really, argued over I, it, who wrote it, what it part. It really doesn't matter, but but to them it matters because it means money. Well, it's yeah, it's sports. Well, um, I think they, they each, each have. I think they each have credit too. on the publishing. Hey, has have Guess you heard? What? You know that song uh, 
Bum, da, 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 what is it called? Love, Love from Beam Kiss. from Kiss. Yeah. I wrote 90% of that song. I gave Paul, Gene, and Peter equal writing credits. Why? Because I'm a nice guy. They'll probably you- say I'm lying. But I, wrote, I came in with that song and, and played it, and they go, oh, that's a great instrumental. Yeah, they have helped you- me arrange it and added a few parts, but the majority of that song came completely out of my head. Will they admit you- it at, to this day, at this point in time? I doubt it. Have you Peter heard anything from Peter? Ace, have you heard anything from Peter in the last week about this? I'm sorry? Have you heard anything from Peter in the last week about this? No, I just got a phone. I just got a text from Gigi because I sent her three rough mixes off my album, and she just said, "Me and Peter loved them." She says, it sounds like the old Kiss. Yeah, yeah. So, where? So, just in wrapping up on this whole thing, what do you want to say? And, and needless to say, where we are now on the fifth day of April, twenty twenty-three. For fans holding out some sort of hope that you're going to do something again with the band for the final shows, I'd say at least where we sit now, that ship has sailed, huh? Not necessarily. Money motivates me, just like it motivates them, but I don't put money before God. So you would still be open to you're you're still open to ironing Look, if this I out. I got a quarter of a million dollars a night, I, and I can make a half a million dollars for playing three or four songs, five songs. I take the money. Well, Buy you're being Ferrari. honest. Most most people aren't that honest, but Buy a Maserati. <laughs> most people aren't that honest, but you're being but you're being how most people think. I'm they just don't express it. Look, yeah, no, I you're, really no, I appreciate that. Guys, ever again after what they've done, but you know, money can change my mind. Look, I'm a capitalist. I grew up in America, okay, but I've never put money before people's feelings. Doc has said one of the I obstacles like money as much as the next guy does. Oh, of course, but money isn't does. my god. Like it is theirs. They're all atheists and all, you know, whatever that, you know, whatever they can make, whatever they can do is say, whether it's true or false, as long as it makes them the most amount of money they're going to do. Gene used to tell me, you know, Ace, I dress up in a tutu if I could make a million dollars. And he did when he made that movie with, uh, what's his name, that German. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> I, I heard that movie called with John Stamos. Yeah, yeah. Too young to die or too. I he, that is true. He did. Try. Of course, it's true. You know what I love I about Gene? Gene tells you to your face. Yes, I always said that he's a straight shooter. And you know what I hate about Paul? Paul will walk into a room. I'll play him a song, and he goes, "I love it." He'll walk out of the room and tell the producer, "Can that?" It sucks. You know what Jeanette said to me, my wife, at the time when we were recording Psycho Circus? She goes, don't send those guys any of your songs. They're going to steal them. They're going to steal the ideas. So I sent them a song called Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Rock and Roll. 
they canned it. What happened? Paul came out with a song called I Pledge Allegiance to the State of Rock and Roll. Similar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ace, one other thing on the potential of playing with them again. One of the obstacles that Doc has cited in interviews recently is the makeup factor, that you can't have two guys in the makeup, two cats, two spacemen. I'm a good-looking guy. I don't need the makeup. <laughs> so that's my question. You Would would you go I out mean, on stage without it? That I'm the handsomest guy in the band. Would you, you go know, out on stage? He's God's gift to women. You better look in the mirror again. Would you go out on stage without the makeup if they were in it? Sure. For, a half For the two fifty, whatever. To, you'll go out in your underwear. Would you'd go up on stage <laughs> for a quarter of a million dollars. I'd go in the tutu. Get me the tutu. <laughs> and you'd wear a tutu. Hell yeah. And uh, oh. I'd like to address the anti-Semitic remark that Paul said. Did I About send you, you a picture of Paul dressed up as a Nazi officer and with his arm up saluting Hitler? There is a photo that you sent me. Yes, I believe that was also in Lydia Chris's book. Yeah, and it's split. One is one is him in the in the, in the Nazi off. Uh, officer's uniform and the photo on the left is him raising his hand his arm mm-hmm. correct uh, yeah i've seen that photo before yes okay and then uh under it he accuses me of being an anti-semite when a lot of my friends are jewish i lived with a jewish girl for 10 years that crazy broad rachel I have an order of protection against her for three years. She took all her Facebook quotes down. She might be going to jail. It's unfortunate, but Paul and Jean gave her $200,000. Paul and Jean gave your ex-girlfriend... Paul and Jean gave your ex-girlfriend two hundred grand. Is that what you just said? That's what I heard. For what reason? I may be incorrect. Maybe it was only a hundred grand, but it was to sign a non-disclosure agreement, and then she broke it and talked about them further on her Facebook because she probably took a handful of pills and got loaded and say anything. So I called up uh, Kiss's attorney. I said, uh, "What the hell's going on? He broke the uh, non-disclosure agreement. Why aren't you go after?" He goes, "You know, Ace, it's better we just." leave her alone because eventually people will just stop listening to her. Mm. Ace, let me ask you this. One other thing. And, it, you know, I've seen this happen. I want to hit a few other things. You well, told yeah, me no, I had time. Yeah, no, no. Go, I want to ask you something unrelated to all this, but go, but go ahead. What else did you want to say? Oh, I don't know. Look at all the things I sent you. Uh, let me look at my notes. Kisses. So you sent Paul me a bunch and of. Jean have both said in print that they fired me, and I did not quit the band. We all know that is a lie. Thank you guys. You don't have a lie, uh, but you haven't done a record in eight years. But I've done about six. 
What's the problem? Did you lose your creativity? Thank you very I'm, much. I'm looking at a <laughs> I'm looking at a screen grab here from iHeartRadio with a headline that says Kiss's manager says Ace Frehley likely to show up on Band's farewell tour. Yeah, and that was said so they would sell more tickets because they weren't selling out every show. So Doc, they told Doc to say, oh, we invited Ace on uh, to come up and play a couple of songs. But people bought, more people bought tickets. Ace fans said, oh, wow, Ace is coming to the show. He's going to play a couple of songs. I'm not going to miss that. Look, they do all these underhanded little things that subliminally make people think I'm going to be there, but I'm not. You know, it, it's dirty pool. I think um, it's very, uh, very misleading, and it almost is on the uh, brink of breaking the law. There's a lot here about them always saying how you and Peter threw away everything, threw away potential, the drugs, and all yeah, of that. You, know. you own did all you, that. Did you, you, see the, did you see the headline where Gene goes, Ace and Peter are poor. That's why we both live in mansions. <laughs> That's why I have a beautiful fiance. That's why I have four cars in my driveway. That's why I have $150,000 recording studio in my basement. With over a hundred guitars, I'm poor. Didn't you know that? <laughs> but, but Gene, the, the... I don't have the money you have, but I'm not poor. I can guarantee that. Well, yeah, poor is relative to your finances. That's for sure. Ace, is there a, is there? I've seen stuff like this happen throughout my career with people in bands. These divisions and as severe as this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. For instance. Uh, well, like the, like the brothers in the Black Crows, although it didn't wasn't public. I mean, they fought like look at the brothers in the band Oasis. I don't know if you know those guys, but they snipe at each other constantly in the press. And it's a uh, it's a bad scene. I mean, there's been, you know, stuff like this has happened. But but at the end of the day, you always see what and you you referenced this before. What you guys created is so iconic and enduring that there's a the, among the it's four of go you. going to go on for another hundred years. Absolutely. After like we're all long gone. After we're all long gone. So is there, a, is there a side to you that like, like I like that, that wishes that this, like this could all be resolved and that you could just move on with your life. Is there a side yeah. of you that wants I to go Paul back? I a chance to do so and he cursed me out. Right. You go you you figure out Paul's brain and then tell me because I have no idea what the hell's going on in his head. And half the time I don't know what Gene's why Gene is putting me down because when I when I went on the tour with him helping him promote his vault experience <laughs> which I the said I couldn't remember the name of it and I said the silly, silly safe, safe. <laughs> And you told me that was one of the funniest. By the way, that was my favorite thing of all day. last week. <laughs> yeah, that silly was thing. <laughs> I, I tried to get that trending. Coffee table. He gave me one. Well, look, you know, look. The bottom line is this: deep down in my heart, 
I love those guys because we created something so special. Yes. That it will be remembered for years. When we're all dead and buried, there will still be people listening to Kiss music. And I'm 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 overjoyed. You but should be. That's incredible. I want my legacy to be cleared of any of this bullshit and lies. Because I don't want anybody to think that I was fired when I wasn't. I don't want anybody to think that an I'm an anti-Semite because I'm not. You know, I don't want anybody to think that the night of the induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I wasn't able to get up and play two songs or three songs when I had just recorded two records and been on tour and eight years sober. That's such a falsehood. That's what got, that's what started this whole thing. You know, everybody said to me, hey, Ace, they would call me up going, Ace, you're finally standing up to them. Well, you know, that was a little too low. That was hitting below the belt. You know, they can say, yeah, bah, 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 Tommy's a better guitar player than me. Yeah. Dream on. I'd like to see Tommy write 40 guitar solos like I've written. Well, All he does is copy my guitar solos. He's not even man enough to play his own because Paul and Zemo won't let him. And he well, takes you can't, it. You can't, though. I mean, th- and this is a credit to you. The solos that I've said this many times. Me, but, you you're know, gu- in the same token. Your guitar Tommy, solos. Say, Look, if I can't play my own solos, I'm not doing this. But or your guitar solos been, are songs within the song. makeup. Like Eric Carr did, and like uh, Vinnie Vincent did. Why couldn't uh, Tommy have a new makeup? I wouldn't well, have I a agree. problem with that. I, I agree completely Can on that. Can you figure but that the, one out? Yeah, well, because I agree completely on that. But what they'll tell you is they wanted to make sure that they kept the same image and the same thing in the, in their mind. Because my makeup sells more than any other makeup. Do you know right. that I out I outsell Gene in merchandise? I was told that by uh, Live Nation. Look to me, and I'm the not bottom even line, in the fucking band. To me, the <laughs> bottom line is those guys should have had their own makeup, and the narrative that well, it wouldn't have sold with that because of look at Eric and look at Vinny. That's nonsense because at that period of time, it didn't matter who was in the band. Kiss was at such a rock bottom level that nobody was going to care. I think those guys, Tommy and Eric, were shortchanged by not being able to come up with their own personas, their own people. And look, Doc just said the reason why, one of, at least one of his reasons why it's a problem for you and Peter to come out is because of the makeup. Well, whose fault is that? They should have had their own makeup, and we wouldn't have been here if they did that 20 years ago. The idea that nobody would have bought the band with those guys in different makeup is, to me, ridiculous because... Yeah, but I would have gotten checks for 20 years. <laughs> Did I get? Oh, and, and they're trying to say that uh, they own my makeup. Sorry. I spoke to my attorney yesterday. He goes, you own the makeup. You license it to kiss. That's a fact. I don't lie. Call up Gene. Let me ask you this, then. It. Let me ask you this, then. If that's the case, could you pull that license? 
which would mean that Tommy couldn't wear it anymore? Or you wouldn't do that because you'd lose your money? No, because I did something stupid. I was loaded when I did that, and I licensed it to them for perpetuity. Oh, for as long as they want to use it. means they can use it as long as I... As long as they want to use it, as long as they pay me a royalty, which they do. You know, I get checks quarterly. That's why I'm so poor. Didn't you know that, Ed? <laughs> Ace, let me, let me, all right, so just a couple other quick things because I'm going to run out of time. I got to okay. ask you. Unrelated to all this, and again, I I think you know you've said what you've said, and it's unfortunate. But please come back and let us know should this ever be cleared up. I'm really she, happy I decided not to talk about dirt because I don't want to stoop to their level. I right? am too. I don't want to tell people things that would really not make them like Paul and Jean. I think what I've said today, because I all I did was repeat stuff they've said. Yes, and I think so too. And I told you that I I don't seek that stuff yeah. out. It's not yeah, good I for anybody. The level and why, or come up yeah. with things that would shock people to the point where they wouldn't even want to go to their concerts anymore. You know, I have proof of that stuff, but uh, I'm not. You know, I'm a team player, and I always was. And they should respect me for that, not put me down. I have Let no me- idea what goes on in their brains. But, you know, I helped create KISS. I, my guitar was the sound of KISS pretty much. Paul's not a bad guitar player. Gene's an underrated bass player. I think Gene's a great bass player. And I mm-hmm. love Gene's voice better than Paul's, actually, if you really want to know. But, Ace, let me ask you this. Give a prediction. What? So here we are, a- April. Hold on, we're Can here I see in er- into the future. Well, when I was sixteen, I I said I was going to be a rock star, and that happened. Well, you're from outer space, so you should be able to see the future. The garden. Well, let me let me ask you a question. Just one thing. What? Here we are, early April, 2023. Allegedly, the last ever Kiss shows are early December of this year. Yeah, you believe that, like I believe, uh, you know, of, the moon right. is going to guy's right. going to turn green. Right. Well, I'm with you on that because I don't believe any farewells ever from anybody. The proof is there. But uh, hypothetically, so assuming that is the last, uh, those last two shows, as we sit today, what do you give the odds of ever being on stage with Kiss again at 50-50? What would you say? It all depends on money. If I get a formal invitation with a check, I'll be there. But they've got to have deep pockets because they got to make the offer. Abuse, they're going to have to pay for it. And they've never made and a formal they don't offer. Pay me, I won't be there, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm asking you, they've never made a formal offer to you at all, ever, about coming Absolutely back. Absolutely not. Well, okay. well, the only reason, they, the, I, from what I understand, the, souls, the shows are sold out. The only reason they sold that is they made innuendos that me and Peter were going to be there. They invited us. I wasn't invited. They lie all the time. Haven't they said we're inviting Ace and Peter to come up and play? Multiple times, yes. at least me? Multiple times, yes. Multiple times. Okay. So people bought the tickets. 
but I haven't been given a formal invitation or given an offer monetarily. And I'm probably not going to get one now after this interview. And guess what? I don't give a shit. My legacy is the first six or seven albums. I don't know. You know, prior to Creatures of the Night is my legacy. And it will last from now till the cows come home. (laughs) And it's no surprise that's the legacy. My mom, she grew up on a farm in North Carolina. And that's period is the period they focus on and sell without question. Hey, real quick, I saw on your social media you went to see the the Neil Bogart movie Spinning Gold. I had the director on about a week ago. I'm curious, as a guy who lived that and knew Neil Bogart, what were your thoughts of that movie? I liked it. Did you feel it was accurate? I thought a lot of it was accurate. Unfortunately, they kind of left me out, but that's okay. You know, Paul and Jean had lines and stuff. And I'm, I I would bet dollars to donuts that Paul and Jean probably said, yeah, you can use the logo and stuff as long as we talk and have lines. But don't give Ace any lines. They want people to forget about me. They want to promote Tommy. But how could Tommy be in the movie when he wasn't even part of the band? At the time, as somebody I used to party that with Neil Bogart, Neil Bogart, Neil Bogart loved me, and I. Well, that's what Neil. I wanted. To... I never that... had a problem with Neil Bogart, and when I watched that movie, it reminded me of all the fun I had with Neil. He was a great guy, and the only thing I regret is that I didn't go to his funeral because I was kicking drugs at the time, and I was too sick to show up and get on a plane. And I hope Joyce is listening because, Joyce, I'm apologizing to you because I'm not sure you're aware of that's the reason why I didn't show up. But I was too sick to get on a plane. If I was healthy, I would have been there with bells on. So you thought the portrayal, you thought the portrayal of Neil Bogart in that movie was accurate. You thought that was a good representation. I thought it was really, I thought the you know what killed me? The one that played Joyce looked a lot like Joyce. Right. And you know what? After watching that movie, if it's as accurate as it says it is, Joyce was a lot sharper than I thought she was. You know, you know, Bill always used to make me think that he was the brains of the thing. But according to that movie, Joyce was the one that was responsible for getting us signed. Not Bill. Yeah. No, you know? she's so she's Bill always been... Lot, uh, unfortunately, Bill isn't here right now to defend himself, but in that movie, pretty much Joyce is uh, the brains of the operation. And it very well could have been. I didn't know. I wasn't paying attention. You know, I was too happy just running around and, and having a few drinks and uh, playing with the girls. Well, yeah, you were young kids figuring it all out, you know. Yeah, I was did, young, did, I'd never been on a plane before until I went on tour with Kiss. I'm just a poor kid from the Bronx. Was a poor kid. I'm not for poor people, anymore, Gene. <laughs> and for people who are wondering about Joyce, if you don't know the story, Joyce Bywitz was Bill LaCoyne's partner in, ma- in the early management of Kiss and then ended up dating. They were equal uh, partners. A, 
They were equal partners, and then they, she ended up having an affair with Neil Bogart, who was the head of, the, of Casablanca, who the movie's about, and that created some tension because now the manager of one of the acts is also having an affair with the owner of the, the label. and there was Conflict, right. So that's t- covered in this movie. Again, the movie's called Spinning Gold. It's, it opened in theaters last Friday, but I thought that was cool that you went to the theaters and saw it, and as somebody who lived it, I was just curious what your thoughts were. It really brought back some fond memories of Neil because Paul Paul hated Neil. They used to fight all the time. You know, I have no idea why, you know, but he always had a problem with Neil. I love Neil. I remember sitting in <laughs> I remember sitting in Gene's apartment and it was me, Gene and Neil Bogart and we were discussing this, that and the other thing. And all of a sudden, you know, Neil pulls out a, a two-gram vial of Coke, lays it out on the table, and me and him snort a couple of lines of blow, and Gene's just sitting there like an idiot looking, going, okay. Wow. You know, that's the kind of guy Neil was. I didn't he know Neil both. drugs, he liked his booze, and he liked his women, you know. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know Neil Bogart, but the I— same way until I, you know— I found the right one. I found my soulmate, you know, and now I'm, I've settled down and I've been sober now for almost 17 years. I'll be sober 17 years, September 15th. God bless it. Knock on uh, wood. Con- yeah, congratulations, man. Is it still hard Thank for you, you or no? Excuse me? Is it still hard for you to stay sober? Do you ever have problems? No. You- it's, it's, you know, every my life in the last year or two, has been going real. I mean, I just came back from California, eight sold out shows in bad weather where there's mudslides. The clubs were still packed. Yeah, I'm playing clubs, not stadiums. Okay, big deal. I'm still making money. Well, listen, buddy, I got to uh, I got to wrap this up. We went for over an hour here and uh, I appreciate the time. I think you did the right thing here as far as taking the high road and not going into your your notes or whatever it is that you have in that lockup. And, uh, you know, uh, I just uh, want to say one other thing. Did you see yeah. the interview that uh, Doc did with uh, Thinking Stanley? Doc Where, admitted yeah. in the interview yes. that they use backing tracks. Yes, he admitted that Paul sings to a track on camera. Yes, yeah. we've talked okay. about that. Yeah. Just so the people that buy tickets to see Kiss know that they're not getting a completely live show. Well, that's fact, a huge... one kid sued uh, Live Nation and said they wanted a refund, and guess what? They got it. Yeah, I had heard that story. That this is, you know, this is that something is that I really. Story. I looked yeah, into this... it. This is what I for a live concert. Hey, look at the interview with Gene, 2015. He goes, I have a problem with a band, somebody paying a hundred dollars for a ticket and the band isn't live. Well, he changed this tune real quick when, you know, when they started playing stadiums and making millions of dollars because money is this God, not integrity. You know, if I lost my voice. I didn't say Paul lost his voice. Paul can still sing. He just can't sing like he used to sing. He can't hit the notes he used to hit. And uh, that's understandable. Most most singers over 70 can't. 
But what I used to do, if I if I if that happened to me, I'd hire a lead singer and just concentrate on my guitar playing. Big deal, you know. But using backing tracks, come on. Well, look, I, I will am, never do that. Thank People God, pay for I am, a live show. They're going to get it from Ace Frehley. I couldn't be more. I don't care who the band is. Uh, this is it's something I've been on a soapbox about for years. I don't it's an care epidemic. If I'm playing for a 300 seat bar. What you hear is live. To me, Although the I true don't play bars <laughs> To me, the true death of rock and roll. If you really want to think rock and roll is dead, is dead. It's all the bands that play to computers and can't jam, and there's no margin there's for error. A lot of and you're them. hearing a tape. I've heard some it's stories. Sick. It's sickening, and it's very disheartening to me. Sickening. I have zero you know, interest I mean, in seeing it or hearing it. How can you pay a thousand dollars for a front row ticket? When the guy is not singing the whole song, it's not, and it's not just singing. Some bands have instruments, guitars, bass, the drums, the keyboards. Every it's insane. And if fans don't, I don't start... want to name the bands that I know for a fact do it because I don't want to get them in trouble, and I have nothing to do with them, and I have no bug with them. But you know, Paul and Gene, we have a problem. They've said some shitty things about me, and now I'm gonna you know, say some shitty things about them because I'm pissed off. But everything well, listen, I've said today is public record. Look up the interviews. Guaranteed. 2015, Gene says, I have a problem with backing tracks. They're on YouTube. Oh, I know. Paul's talked about it in the past, too. Other bands that have other guys singing the parts and all that. I know. Um, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's insane. Why doesn't he just get another singer to help him out? Well, Dress I, him up I, as a, a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. On that note, I got to go. Cause I'm almost out of time, but <laughs> thank you, uh, for coming on again. By the Please. way, the new album I'm recording and everybody can hold me to this. It may be the best album to date I've ever done. I think it might top my first solo album with New York Groove. That's well, coming from it, the horse's mouth. When it comes out, we will do another show on that, of course, and we'll talk all about the record of when people can hear it. Yeah, man. Thank Listen, you so I'm, much, Ed. You're a gentleman you. and a scholar, and it's always a pleasure being on your show. And thank you, fans, for listening. Every word I said out of my mouth is true. I might have joked around a little, but... All the statements I made are factual, and you can look them up on YouTube. All right, man. I got to go. I'll be back in Jersey next week. I'll hit you up. Hey, I want you to come over for a barbecue, brother. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I want to come hear the record, too. So I'll, I'll warm. I know. I'll you hit know, you Laura's, next week. Laura's parents just came over from Greece. Her father just turned 90. You got to come over and meet them. They're a riot. I'll be there. I want to come next week. We'll do it. We'll set it okay. up. Okay. You got after Easter, around Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. Thank you, I'll talk Ed. to you soon. Thank you, Thank Ed you. staff. Thank you, fans. Thank you, people that aren't fans. At least you've been informed of reality. I know these days it's kind of hard to tell the difference between reality and non-reality. But uh, be that as it may, we'll end on that note. And... Uh, Thanks for having me on, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, Ace. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Well, I'm glad that Ace ended up taking the high road there. And uh, there you have it. A week apart, the two separate interviews with Ace Frehley that made news all over the world when he issued that ultimatum to Paul Stanley. Do I think he will play with Kiss at all ever again? Probably not. But who knows? I have seen artists fight and have disagreements like that so many times. And then when push comes to shove, and let's be honest, as Ace said, if the money's right, all of a sudden they're best friends again. So who knows what the future holds, but back-to-back on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, the drama that consumed the rock world a couple weeks ago that originated on Trunk Nation. Again, that's my radio show, Faction Talk, Sirius XM Channel 103. Join me there live Monday through Friday. Hear this stuff as it happens. Call in, talk about it. Join me every day for Rock Talk for the Daily Trunk Nation, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, live daily on Sirius XM Channel 103 or anytime on the Sirius XM app, audio, video, and more. Thanks to Ace for joining me twice in two weeks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. It certainly had people talking. Follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook page for info and updates about everything I have going on. Catch you on the radio. Catch you back here next Thursday for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today.